Ernest, what's going on? Traditional universities are outdated and don't teach you how to become an entrepreneur. They just teach you how to become an employee. You go to school for four years and you leave with nothing but debt. But here at EYL University, our curriculum is much different. Our university teaches you real-world skills that you can use to gain financial freedom right away. In traditional universities, you learn from professors that have never did what they teach, and they teach you how to become an employee. At our university, we use instructors that are currently successful in a specific field that they teach, and they teach you how to become an entrepreneur. For a limited time only, you can join EYL University for 25% off of the annual membership. Learn about stock credit, real estate, crypto, and more. Go to EYLUniversity.com right now and sign up to become an earner. Don't wait. Don't hesitate. Head over there now. My graduates from my school being Forbes. Bag drop. Bag drop. <laughs> F- a mic drop. Bag drop. Bag drop. All right, guys, welcome back. Still in L.A. This is going to be a legendary episode. This is something that um, came organically. So if you're a football fan, obviously you know who Bobby Wagner is. I just found out, actually, he has a 91% chance to be a first ballot. <laughs> I think he just found out. I yeah, just found, yeah, out found out, too. too. 91% chance to be a first ballot Hall of Famer. Um, nine years in the league. Troy, you run down those stats. Yeah, nine years in the league, seven-time Pro Bowler, six-time All-Pro, five years consecutively All-Pro, uh, 99 rating in Madden. 99. <laughs> that's probably the most impressive thing of all time. 99 rating Very in rare. Madden. That's extremely rare. And we got to talk to the people at EA. They started due to the change after. So either Bobby's going to have to do it again or they're going to have to reimburse him for uh, time served. Yeah, we could do both. Yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> but, so he's a 99 rating in Madden, perfect player. But even more impressive is what he's doing off the court, off the field. Yeah. So he's a, uh, it's a venture capital company. Yeah. He's an angel investor. Um, he interned at Microsoft. He's Forbes 30 under 30, and he represents himself. Big time. Um, so this is a this is going to be a dope conversation. So first and foremost, thank you for joining us. Appreciate it. Yeah, appreciate you, man. I've been watching y'all for a minute, man, and uh, it's it's cool to be on the show, be a part of this, and. Excited to have a conversation with you guys. Let's do it. Let's do it. So let's talk about this financial literacy situation. So you're playing for Seattle. You played for Seattle your whole career, right? Yep. Arguably, this is the greatest player that's ever played for Seattle, right? Yeah. I told you, it's you and Russ. Both, both of y'all need a statue. I'm good with that. <laughs> <laughs> so you're playing for Seattle. And anybody that knows Seattle, you know, one of the biggest things that ever come out of Seattle, probably the biggest thing is Microsoft. So you intern at Microsoft. Talk about that. Um, Seattle was kind of doing this thing where they were offering like different internships uh, within the city. And uh, Microsoft just so happened to be one. And, um, you know, out of all of the ones that I got to choose from, I chose Microsoft because, you know, you know, for obvious reasons. And I just felt like I was going to grow more, learn more um, there. So I went and I did an intern there. And um, crazy enough, we was all sitting in the middle of the um, the lobby. We we're all in the lobby, chilling in the lobby, and we we're waiting for the the CFO to come down to talk to us. And I'm not really familiar with everybody that works in and out of Microsoft at this time. I think it's like 2015. I forgot when it was. Um, and you know, I'm talking to this lady, and we having like a, a crazy conversation. We're talking about all type of stuff. 
And she's like, man, like, so what was everybody waiting for? And I'm like, yeah, we're waiting for the uh, the CFO to uh, to come and th- come and talk to us. She's like, oh, okay. Well, I guess we should get this started. And she like backs out of our conversation and says, hey, everybody, like, welcome to the internship. And I'm like, I've been talking to her for like 30 minutes. I had no <laughs> idea. Does she have an idea who you are? Um, I mean, maybe. I, I don't know. I'm assuming. Yeah. Um, so she was a CFO. Yeah. CFO, yeah. Her name's yeah. Amy Hood. And well, that's, just let's unpack that a little bit. You never know who you're talking to. So you were talking to somebody and you told them we're waiting for the CFO to come. And she just played along with it. Yeah, but she just. But she's the person she, that you're yeah, waiting for. Yeah, she knew who. Yeah, she was. She was thinking the same thing bad about the CFO. <laughs> yeah, no, I didn't say nothing. It was, it was crazy because it was just like you know oh, that's what y'all waiting for. Oh, okay, like let's let's start it off then. So I'm, I'm interested even further because how many people, especially rookies at this time, this is like your first first year or second year? Uh, no, nah, this was like my third year, third, I think. So yeah. even that, like, how many people who are now full fledged because you already had won the Super Bowl? Yeah, you're in your third year, are willing to even take an internship? Right? How many? You said that Seattle had some choices, but how many of your teammates took advantage of that? Um, I would say for most of the league, not not many, but our, our team was different. We was all into different things. And if you look at like the things that we've accomplished, you had multiple guys from that team negotiate their own contract. Um, Mike Bennett was a um, number one a selling author. That's true. Um, uh, Cliff Averill done amazing things. Cam, you know, has his own clothing line. So we were, you could just tell, like, our group was different. Like, we thought different. And so, like, from the the league perspective, it was not many. But from our team, uh, we was always interested in doing something. Like, we was wanted to be great athletes, great players. But we wanted to be bigger than just, you know, just good players. We wanted to be able to do something that was going to impact the city that we came from and the city that we was in. Mm. So what did you learn in Microsoft and how, how, how did that help you in your, in your career of business? Um, I think the biggest thing that I learned was just uh, I learned the in and ins and outs. You know, I learned a lot. Um, I did um, the financing part. So um, they offered like you could learn about gaming, financing, um, there certain things. So I, I went to the financial world. So I just sat there and watched them do numbers all day. And it was. It was crazy because <laughs> I was just like, you never know how much that they got going on because they got to control every single entity within the whole thing, like X from Xbox to mm-hmm. Microsoft Word to everything. Mm-hmm. So I got to to learn about that. Um, and really the, the biggest thing that, that came from that was, you know, I, I developed an amazing relationship with Amy. And, you know, we are now like close friends and she's helped me a lot, um, opened a lot of doors for me. Yeah. Um, you know, talk to me a lot about what she does on a day-to-day basis. And, you know, so the biggest thing I think, you know, outside of like what I learned in the finances was uh, the relationships that I've developed while I was there. Steve Ballmer was the CEO at that time. Did you ever run into him? Uh, I actually did connect with him, um, but I connected with him. He wasn't there when I was there, but uh, I connected with him later because, um, you know, when I started telling people I wanted to do my contract, they started connecting me with different people because mm. I wanted different perspectives. I didn't just want agent perspective, player perspective. I wanted people who who had, you know, ownership in teams and things like that. I wanted to see, like, what they thought about players or what they were looking for when a player came in and negotiated his own contract. Yeah, so 2012 is your rookie year. Yep. Um, but it, there was a trip to Silicon Valley that kind of changed your perspective. You always were interested in, in the business aspect because – I believe your wealth manager took you to, yeah. to Silicon to see what this is all about. Yeah, so about experience? yeah, so I didn't even know what Silicon Valley was until um, until that trip. Like I knew, I heard, I knew like San Francisco was the the area, but I didn't know 
about Silicon Valley. So he took me down. Um, he took me down on a trip, probably like 2013 or 14, and we just toured like all different type of startups. A couple of startups we toured was uh, Instacart. We saw them pretty early. Mm-hmm. Um, and we toured another company called, uh, it was, um, I forgot what the company name was, but I ended up investing in that company, but you know, we, we didn't win on that one. Mm. Um, but you know, so I just started to get exposed into like, you know, certain things. And that's when I, I, realized the term like what the term was uh angel investor was i didn't even know what that was either and so i'm like all right now i'm I'm getting exposed into to different things find out what um you know i sat with different vcs while i was out there just you know asking questions i sat with different investors while i was down there and then so it just kind of opened me up to this whole world that i hadn't nothing i knew nothing about and so once i got exposed to that then i just try to you know see how much i get my hands on so I want to talk about this VC situation, but let's talk about football for a little bit as far as um, you represent yourself, if I'm not mistaken, right? Yeah. So, like, let's let's talk about this. You came in the league. You had an agent. Mm-hmm. At some point, I'm assuming you fired your agent, mm-hmm. and you decided to be your own agent. Yeah. Why did you do that, and what was the process of negotiating your – you were the highest paid inside linebacker in NFL history? Yep. $54 million. Yep. Three years. Three years. Three years. 24 guaranteed. Not bad. Four, 40 guaranteed. <laughs> no, 20, 40. 40 guaranteed. Don't short. Yeah. 24 at signing. Don't, don't you short negotiated that contract? I did. Congratulations. Thank you. Appreciate that. Um, and you're almost done. Next year, you, you'll finish that contract. Yeah, right? I got, after this year, I'll have one year left. And typically, um, if the team wants to keep you, they, um, you know, extend you. No, we're going to put a message. Yeah. See, I don't play yourself. <laughs> don't play yourself. So, so, with, yourself. and you, so, and, God willing, everything works out this year. You're going to get all of your money. Yeah, all of it. So talk about negotiating your contract and why you decided to um, let your agent go and become your own agent. Uh, I just think it was a process. You know what I mean? I think when I first came into, um, when I was a rookie, um, I actually had a couple agents. You know, I think, um, you know, I had let my, my original agent go, like probably like either midway through my rookie year or right after my rookie year. And um, I just was looking for something. Um, I look. I was looking for someone who's gonna keep their word. Um, I was um, trying to figure that out. But in, in the process of figuring that out, I, I started to realize I was like, this is something that kind of mimicked or was kind of like in the same wave where I was at, like wanting to be in business. And um, I just wanted to have a seat at the table. And I knew I wasn't gonna be able to do that having an agent like I, I, they would let me in the room but I knew like once I walked away I knew there was going to be conversations that was going to be had that I wasn't going to be involved in mm. and so I, I wanted to make sure I, I eliminated all that so I wanted them to talk to me directly I wanted to to do it for myself and um you know really it was, I felt like it was going to to spark um my my way through business and you know I felt like if I wasn't willing to take a chance on myself um, with my contract, then I wouldn't be able to take a chance in the real world. And so, um, you know, I just started learning literally right after I signed my, my second deal, you know, I, I grabbed the CBA and I read it, read the CBA. Then I started reading different, um, negotiation books. I started reading, um, looking at every linebacker contract, looking at all the contracts that the CL had done over the last 10 years or, or since Pete Carroll had been there. And, um, you know, I just started learning. And so, you know, I knew it was coming. 
And, you know, once it was my time to negotiate my deal, I, you know, I was ready. And, you know, I think I surprised them when I walked into the room because I think they they didn't think I had put this much thought into it. So yeah. I don't think they knew. I knew what I was supposed yeah, to know. Yeah. What, what was that feeling like when, obviously, most people say represent yourself, represent yourself. But now you're negotiating on your own behalf. And the team might feel like you're worth a different value than what you were thinking. Mm-hmm. What are those conversations like? What was your thought process when you're going through that? Um, I think the biggest thing is you got to put your emotions, you know, you got to put your emotions behind you. Like business is not emotional. Mm-hmm. And so I think that was their biggest fear was um, not being able to say how they truly felt and because and they, they was going to piss me off or something like that. So like one of the first meetings we had, I was like, look, like we, we all grow men. And so, you know, I want y'all to treat this negotiation like it was an agent. So if you got something that you got something that you feel I can't do or you want to say, say it. Like don't sugarcoat anything like we all grown men. At the end of the day, I got respect for you. I feel like y'all got respect for me. So, you know, if there's two lines of respect, then we can get something done in a respectful way. And I wasn't really into the whole negotiation through the media. So I was like, I'm not trying to, y'all don't take no shot at me in the media. I'm not going to take no shot at you guys in the media. And we can get this thing done real quiet. And it could be big. It could be something that can, you know, hopefully spark um, interest of, of players. And, you know, it was cool. I mean, they told me how they felt. I told them how I felt. I had numbers to back up why I felt I was deserving of what I was asking for. And they had stuff that they had. And it was genuine conversations. And obviously, it was some moments where I felt like I was winning. And then there was some moments where I felt like I got to go back to the drawing board. But ultimately, we ended up where we was at and yeah. got it done. Were you, were you originally thinking, based on your performance, obviously, I don't know how many linebackers can match your stats. You're thinking, I need to be the highest guy? Was that one of the, the things? Well, I was, you know, uh, around the league, you know, you consider the best. So I want to be paid top dollar. Mm-hmm. So, um, you know, if, if around the league you consider the best, I think your your pay should should uh, mimic that or mirror that. So that was a, that's how I, I approached it. Shout out to Brandon Copeland. Um, we interviewed him a while ago, and he kind of broke down NFL contracts for us. It's a very complicated situation. Yeah, where it's like most of the money is not guaranteed. Mm-hmm. And you have signing bonus, yep. and you have incentives built in if you mm-hmm. make it to like the Pro Bowl. Or, so can you kind of explain that? Because the average, I feel like the average fan just watches it. They hear, okay, he got a fifty million dollar contract. He he had fifty million dollars. That's but, a whole yeah. lot of money. Oh, there's, there's a lot of moving parts, and you being an agent now. Well, first, did you have to get licensed to be an agent, or no? Nah, you're I mean, a player. You, you just represent yourself. Yeah, you represent okay. yourself. So, so yeah, can you break that down as far as like some of the terms, like the signing bonus, what's guaranteed, what's not guaranteed, stuff like that? So, I definitely feel like the NFL contract is probably one of the most complicated contracts because you know I feel like in every other league, I don't, I'm not, I don't know for sure, but every other league, what you see is what you get. So, if somebody signs for X amount of years for a hundred million dollars they're going to get that over whatever um, life of the deal. But with the league, you know, with the NFL, it's it's all fluff. So you kind of like you see the contract, the initial numbers, then you got to see what the actual numbers are. And so somebody can sign for uh, $50 million for 40 guaranteed, but um, the at signing is really the, the real number. Like that's what you're walking away with if they decide to walk away from you. So if you get, um, if it's like $24 million at signing bonus, when you, if they was to walk away from you, that's what you get. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Everything else you have to hit certain things. So there's all different type of things in the contract. Like you said, signing bonus, 
Um, your signing bonuses are part of it. Um, you know, you have different per games, different incentives. So um, one of the things in, in my deal, um, you know, I had like roster bonuses. That, What's that? Roster bonuses is basically like um, what they give you. They like basically it's a way to kind of for the team to kind of stretch their money over the signing bonus or stretch their money over the the cap. So a certain amount of uh, money that you get for being on the team each year. So I, that was when yeah. I was looking at your sport track. I know because you said you used that when you were looking at everybody's contract. I saw amount of plays. And so even part of that that game thing, is there a certain amount of snaps you have to be in the game for it to count in the contract? Yeah, there's there's certain um, there's certain guys where it's like you got to play 90 percent of your snaps. Or 80% of your snaps or, you know, you see towards the end of the season, these guys get these huge bonuses where, um, you know, if you get nine, 10 sacks, then you get an extra 250. So you see the guys like, you know, normally you see a guy like um, not play the last game when they they know they're in the playoffs, but he'll play that game just so he can get that extra 250. Um, So they, they can come up with all different type of ways to put the, uh, the bonuses in there, so it it really just depends on the team how they structure the team because no team structures deals the same. So you really got to study, um, you know, the team and the person who's uh, the way they do the contracts because you could be asking for something that they haven't given in like twenty years or ten years or whatever. So, mm. um, you know, I knew it was it was kind of like easier for me because I knew who I was uh, going up against or I knew who I was negotiating with. But if I was a free agent it would have been different because you had to know each person on each team, each team yeah. and how they structure each deal. How was it? It's interesting um, because we spoke to Brandon. At, he was – he got cut a few times. Like he was – I don't know if he got – did he get drafted? Uh, I think he got drafted. Well, his path was different than your path. Yeah, yeah. Like, yeah. You know what I'm saying? It's like he was what probably the average player it goes through as mm-hmm. far as getting cut, trying to make a team on a team, like kind of a journeyman situation. You are a superstar. So how is it in the locker room from being a superstar and being a regular player financially, all of that stuff, like we watch these movies and it's like, you know what I mean? Superstars always get treated better than the guys. Like, you know what I'm saying? How is it? So I was watching the game. Yeah. <laughs> how, how, how is that? They roll the red carpet out for you? No, nah, I mean, it depends on where you at. I mean, I think Seattle, we always treated everybody equal. So outside of, you know, outside of whatever you purchase, you know what I'm saying? The lifestyle obviously is different, you know, depending on, but unless you're trying to keep up, you know, you could be a guy who was undrafted, but want to come across as living that lifestyle. So you can blend in um, and see that. But for me personally, I was never really someone that was caught up in the lifestyle. I was never um, cared about the lifestyle. I wasn't interested in, uh, I was just interested in, in um, you know, proving myself, like proving stuff to myself. So, you know, I still drive the same car I bought in um 2012 nice car same car nice car though this one no this was different but i pull up but again though it's 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 different vibes though i bought that in my my ninth year so i had already put my money away i already you earned your leisure yeah i earned my leisure i i I knew I got my money saved away. Yeah. So now I can play. And I feel like that's what's like backwards. Like guys in the league do it backwards. They they buy the whips to yeah. impress the people. They buy the houses to impress the people. 
they either play five, let's say a guy plays five years. Maybe. Maybe. Let's just hypothetically <laughs> yeah. say, an example, a guy plays five years. So he got the, the, the crazy car. He got the, the crazy house. He got the you know, crazy lifestyle, but didn't save his money over time. So now when he retires, he got to downgrade everything. Now he got to turn the car back in. Now he got to down, downgrade the house. Now he got to downgrade the lifestyle. So it's, I, I just flipped it. So mm-hmm. I just lived a, a really chill life and I didn't buy anything crazy. I don't think I bought my house until like two years ago. Mm. Um, I was renting until that point. Um, you know, I really just took care of everybody else around me before I took care of myself. And so I was doing that. But once I had got two, three deals, my third deal. Mm. So when I got my third deal. Then I bought the stuff for myself because now it's like I, I was disciplined early on. Now I get to enjoy my, my, my fruits of my labor now. Mm. And I don't have to downsize whenever I retire. I don't, my life can, I, I've saved enough for my life to be the same as it is today for years to come. Now that's, that's what you're saying really resonates with me. Cause a lot of stuff like even now to this day, like people ask me, even my mom asked me like, are you going to do this? Are you going to do this? And I'm like, it's not really time yet. You know what yeah. I'm saying? Like, I feel like I could do any, a lot of stuff that I want to do financially right now, but I'm not because I feel like it, like in a couple of years, it'll just be way greater. Yeah. And by that time I'll have invested so much money that it won't even matter. Like it won't even hurt me at all. Like, yeah. So the delayed gratification yeah. is something that, especially for athletes, like, you know, you young and you're getting millions of dollars or even, you know, half a million dollars. Yeah. Mm-hmm. That's like, you know, you want to just do every single thing that you ever dreamed of in life in one year. Yeah. And then it's like, you don't, you're not there anymore. And now you got to, you know, you're screwed. Yeah. And that really came from, uh, you know, just your influences. I, I listened to Nipsey a lot. I listened to Jay-Z a lot. And I just watched how they moved, and especially Nipsey. Nipsey was never following the crowd he always did his own thing so that was the same thing i never tried to that's what's hard being an athlete you come in and you see all these cars and you go to somebody's house and you see how nice their house is and you want that so you go get that even though like you said maybe that's not where you at right now yeah, peer, peer pressure yeah peer yeah. pressure so it's like okay i'll go get a car maybe i can't afford but i'm gonna do it so i can i can flex you know what i'm saying so it's levels though yeah but it's levels and it's <laughs> it's all about patience and timing i invested way before i bought a car like I was investing before I, I thought about a car. Would you would, would you invest in stocks? Um, I, I I told you we was told offline. My first investment was um, you know with a guy that I met at this event, okay. and you know he told me basically the only way I was going to learn is I put some get some skin in the game, and so he challenged me to get some skin in the game. Gave me kind of like an offer I couldn't couldn't refuse. And I was in a company PC. Yeah, yeah. We went to this like um, we went to a. Um, uh, Seahawks had partnered with a VC firm out in Seattle and they had like a panel and we was all, um, it's a bunch of players, but again, even like that, like they invited the whole team. So 90 of us at the time, but only maybe 15 guys came. Mm. So, um, you know, I'm sitting there and I just go to the back to get some food and, you know, I'm, I'm sitting in the back and I had this guy come up to me and he's like, yo, like, what are you guys doing here? And I'm like, well, we trying to learn like everybody else. You see the panel, it's a great panel. I feel like they got a lot to offer. Like, I'm listening. I'm learning. What are you talking about? He's like, yeah, but, like, what are you actually going to learn from this? Y'all, y'all go to all these panels. Y'all read all these books. Well, what are you going to do after you read the panels and, and read the books? Like, you got to do – you got to get your skin in the game. I was like, all right, well, that's why we're trying to learn. We're here. You know what I'm saying? I'm, yeah. I'm like, who is this guy? I'm yeah, like, yeah, you know, we're trying to learn to get some skin in the game. I got to figure it out. Undercover CFO. Yeah, you feel me? <laughs> <laughs> so I was like, all right, well, you know, tell me what you think we should do. He's like, all right, well, I got, you know, offer for you. Basically, he offered us a deal where – um you know, we invest X amount of dollars, and if we 
if the company turned out well, we keep the money. If the company turned out bad, then he would give us the money back. And, but we had to give it a charity. We couldn't keep it. Mm. So he was like, that's way, that way you, you kind of get your first exposure into, um, into investing. Yeah. And so we did it. And the company ended up um, 5X and really. 15 so. guys showed up. How many invested? Well, we, it was only us who was ever getting snacks that day. So I guess, you know, the opportunity, you know what I'm saying? I got yeah, up at the right time. Yeah. Uh, but it's really just three of us. So we uh, we all got the opportunity. We all invested and ended up turning well. And I think, you know, obviously when it started going well, it's like, dang, like, I want to taste that again. You know what I'm saying? Yeah. Um, so, yeah. So, I mean, this is what I, I think is amazing about you is the humility, number one, but being in the right place, number two. But the internships, because you didn't just stop at Microsoft, right? You went to another VC firm, and that's where you met John Connors. Yep, John Connors. Can you talk about his role and how he's helped you? Uh, yeah, he was um, hugely influential. Um, it's kind of funny. I was, I was just remember, again, like, we were all different. I mean, we was all came from a different, you know, place in, in the league, but, like, we were all on a, the same mentality in mm -hmm. the locker room. So um, I remember being in the locker room, and I'm sitting, and I'm listening to Sherman Doug talk. And they talking about where they going for the weekend because they both went to Stanford and they had this like um Shout out to Richard Sherman. Yeah. That's my guy. <laughs> He's another um, one that's that smart. He, we got yeah. him on we got him on the yeah. I'll try to connect you guys. Yeah. Please. But um um I was listening to them talk. They was going to this event where it's like basically like everybody that went to Stanford come in and, and connect. And I'm just like, dang, like I know Utah State gotta have something <laughs> like that. Like I know it's not enough of us to go to an event, but yeah. like they got to have somebody. So I remember when I was there, we were, I forgot who we were before, but we switched to Nike because um, um, the president of Nike came from Utah State. Okay. So I reached out to my coach. I got a contact and I just reached out to him. I was just like, you know, I just want to, you know, pick your brain. I know he was working at Nike. I was like, you know, like Utah State alum. Like he was a fan of myself. I was like, you know, I, I heard a lot about you as well. So we started um, just having conversations and he was actually lived in Portland. So I asked him like, you know, who in Seattle should I know or should I meet? And he introduced me to, to John Connors. And then <clears throat> after I got introduced to John Connors, we were, you know, he started taking me out, you know, to lunches every, like every off day. But every off day he was asking me like, what do you want to do life after football? And I'm sitting here like 21, 22. And I'm saying like, I just got here. Like, what do you mean? Like, I'm not thinking about, yeah. like, life of football. I want to be great. Like, I want to, you know what I'm saying? I'm trying to get Super Bowls and all these other stuff. And he was like, man, you know, I don't, I didn't play football, but life happens fast. So, you know, you got to think about it. And I'm going to challenge you on that. Every time we come here, I'm going to challenge you. And I remember one conversation, I told him about the investment that I did and I had and, you know, how well I was doing. And he was like, man, you should um, come see, you know, what we have going. And I had no idea what he what he was talking about. I didn't know. I thought he, you know, Microsoft days, they made a lot of money. I thought he was retired, just chilling. Mm -hmm. And, you know, he, he brought me down to Ignition. And Ignition is a VC firm um, down in Seattle. And, um, you know, he kind of opened up the portfolio, let me see what they were doing, let me see the different type of companies they were doing. They were doing way different companies than I even saw. Like, I was looking at more consumer, like, things like that. They were doing more SaaS, like, um, you know, software as a service companies. And mm -hmm. so I'm like... I have no idea. I'm not even realizing, like, you know, I'm using DocuSign, but I'm not realizing they invested in DocuSign. Mm -hmm. So from um, from that, 
we just started doing that. And then I think that kind of sparked me into like wanting to do my own deal. Then after I did my own deal, I remember him reaching out to me like, yo, like let's, I didn't realize how much you was into this. Like, let's take it to another level. Like, how about you be a venture partner on this, this new fund that we're, we're thinking about creating. And, you know, I took it, took the opportunity and here we are. All of this while playing linebacker, being the best linebacker in the league. So let me ask you a question about um, negotiating your contract. What are some things that you put in the contract or you took out of the contract that, you know, you when negotiating, like outside just the standard stuff, like stuff that you actually put in or you saw something and was like, no, nah, we're not doing that? Um, it was the it was the 46 and, and okay. 53 game, you know, roster bonus or per game is what they call them. Um, you know, it was basically like I had I had like a lot of money tied up in having to be on the field. Mm-hmm. So I remember during that um, during that contract, I was always stressing about missing games because I knew like that was money missing. And this is this is why guys play with broken Her, legs. Yeah, because you, know? you know, again, like you said, like you got a guy saying I got to play ninety percent of my snaps to get X amount of dollars, and you're like, all right, well, I know my 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 hip not feeling right, or my shoulder not feeling right, but I'm at 85%. I need to get to 90. And so they go out there and they, they play. And it's, you know, not, they're not always thinking about the betterment of their life. Yeah. And so I was thinking like that. I was thinking like, dang, I don't, like, why? I don't want to think like this. Yeah. And so, um, and so during the negotiations, I brought that up. I was like, look, we're not doing this. <laughs> like, I'm like, I don't want to think about this no more. I, like, we got to turn these to 46. And, and you it was like, game, yeah. And it was like, no, nah, we, you know, we can't do that and, and yada, yada, yada. I was like, no, nah, y'all can. Y'all can do that. I was like, yeah. I was like, you said running back is probably the most dangerous position. Positions, right? It was like, yeah. I was like, well, you gave a running back exactly what I'm asking. And you yeah. saying his position is more dangerous than mine. So if, why did he get it and I didn't when it's more of a risk with him than it is with me? And so what was their, what was their response? Didn't have a response. <laughs> Here's your um, contract, sir. <laughs> it was just, you know, they they understood, and and again, it was, it was part of just you know doing your homework, and um, you know, again, like, like that's all studying. Like I just I knew that yeah. I knew that was the case, and so had I not known that, I wouldn't have been able to to argue it. So I knew that was the case, and I knew um, what they had done years before, and it was just basically something for my mental. I didn't want to have to worry about that. Now that that's the best feeling in the world. Even with us, we've done that before. Like we've negotiated deals with corporations and you can tell like they're not, they're not expecting us to know certain things. Yeah. So then we bring up, like we notice it's like, there's no response. Cause it's yeah, like, you know yeah. what I'm give them what it's, they want. It's really, it's, yeah, <laughs> it's like, okay, we, you know, he got that. But the, the unfortunate part is like you said, the vast majority of people just aren't aware of these certain yeah. things. Yeah. And it's like, that's crazy for NFL because it's like NBA, you get a sprained, ankle when guys is missing four weeks you know what i'm saying they don't because they're getting paid yeah it's like you know it's like they're not rushing back and it's like all right but the nfl is only a couple it's it's only 16 weeks and um they're like real serious injuries yeah they're playing so how do you think do you think this will ever be solved as far as like the nfl contract situation i i I personally feel like the, the owners have too much power where the nba is like more even you can actually even argue that the players have more power than the owners on a certain level. But what's the – because anytime, like, a lockout happens, it's never really beneficial because a, a, a billionaire is always going to have more power than a millionaire. Mm-hmm. And they can just starve guys out. I want to get your, your, your thoughts because you was around for the last lockout, right? I was, yeah. So 
A, well, my first question is, how do we solve this problem and make these contracts better for NFL players? I'll let you ask, I'll let you answer that, and then I got another follow-up. Um, I think we got to, as a group, want to make them better, and I think we do want to make them better, but I think we got to, like, really um, figure out what that looks like. And then, you know, the toughest part about it, too, is um, the difference between the NBA and the NFL is the amount of people that we have on the team. And the differences in pay and structures and everything. So, um, you know, you might have your top 20% of guys on the team that's making X amount of dollars or whatever. Um, and they're fighting for that. But the bottom half, they're like, oh, we cool with that. So a lot, it's a lot of this. It's like a lot of, like, you know, butt heads within, um, you know, within the players so we would have to come together at first to to get that done. I feel like it's, you know, it's it's changing from a standpoint. But I think the biggest thing that that will help is education. Like you said, a lot of things. There's a lot of times I feel like in talking to players and talking to guys, like they don't even know what's in their contract, mm-hmm. or they don't know what the structure of their contract is. They just they like they like the consumer. They like the the fan. They they watch their contract get reported on the yeah, screen, yeah. and they believe with whatever that is. Like, they don't take the time. And a lot of it, too, is on the agent. You know, the agent has to, you know, take that time to explain. But if the agent tries to explain to you and you don't care about it, then there's really no point in in doing that. I'm pretty sure there's a bunch of players that's just like, man, I just want to go out and play ball. And we got to change that. We got to change the whole, I just want to play ball and do my job and do whatever. Because at the end of the day, this is a business. And everybody treats it like a business, but majority of the players. Mm-hmm. You know what I'm saying? So we got to treat this like a bi- business. Treat yourself like a business. Understand you are an enterprise, an entity. Like, So you need to understand the ins and outs of everything that's going on. Yeah, so I, I think it starts with that. It starts with um, guys treating themselves as a business and educating themselves and, and, and putting the energy into wanting to learn the ins and outs of their business. Um because we can change the contracts and we can change the way they structure the contracts. But if guys don't care about um, what's in them and people can hide things in the contract, then it really doesn't matter. Because there are certain things like when we talk about, um, you know, when we talk about guys, you know, wanting guaranteed contracts or um, wanting to have guaranteed contracts, it's nothing that says we can't. It's just we not doing it. Mm. So there's, you know, it's not like a thing that you have to, you know, accept, fight for. You yeah, you don't it. have to accept it because um, Kirk Cousins was a guy who who had all his whole contract guarantee. Granted, he had a, a tons of leverage. Eighty-eight million. Yeah, yeah, tons of leverage. So they, that was your team. No, I told you I was watching. Oh, okay. So. <laughs> we let okay. them go to Minnesota. Okay, but yeah. that's a, that's a good point though, because it's like after a while, you, something just becomes normal, and it's just normalized that NFL contracts aren't guaranteed. But I remember when he got that, and it was like it was guaranteed. That was weird to me. But it's like it's not to say that you can't have a guaranteed contract. Yeah. It's just yeah. most people just don't have guaranteed contracts. Yeah, it's just, it don't it don't end up working out that way. Do you, do you think he had um, leverage because he already had? I think they franchise tagged him twice. So they couldn't do it again. So it was, yeah, they, had anything to do with it? Yeah, yeah, 100%. It had yeah. a lot to do with it. They franchised him twice. So that's the reason why um, the Washington football team let him go. Yeah. Because his next franchise number or whatever was going to be crazy. Or they couldn't do it again. It's an average of the top five. Yeah. So, what's, what's, the, what's the franchise tag? What is that all about? Franchise tag is something that no player really wants. You know, <laughs> every player hates. But it's a way to kind of keep the, yeah. any player that they want there. So if they franchise you, basically for that year, your contract is guaranteed. 
And for that year, you make the the average of the top five guys in the league. Um, so I think for myself, it was like um, like 16 million. I think when I was up last time I was up. So um, it's basically like a, you know, like a strategic way that a team can can use if you can't if you can't get a deal done or you can't get an extension done and you don't want that player to leave, you just franchise tag them. So now you have them for a year. And then they have a period in where, like, you can still negotiate and, and you know, work on a deal or whatever. But um, if you don't get a deal, then you have to – you basically you, you tie it to that, that team. You can't go nowhere for that year. You have to play. Well, you don't necessarily have to play. There's guys that didn't want to play That's on a franchise idea. tag. But, you know, you, you're basically tied to that team for that year. And each team gets one. Um, yeah, that year. And so they did him twice. And so now the third year he can't be franchised tax. Yeah. Uh, I don't think you can be franchised, which is why they let him go. Yeah. And then the price is going to be like $36 million. He's going to be crazy. And then that's what he used to negotiate the numbers. You know, you use that. So now it's like, you know, if, if you're a quarterback in your, your final year or whatever, you're $36 million, all right, well, I want more than what I was going to make. <laughs> and you just kind of go from there. So this last lockout that we had, um, it was an unfortunate situation, and a lot of stuff started to come out. Vince Young, this is documented, so he he had some financial issues at the time, and they were saying that he went to uh, his financial guy, one of his financial guys. They was giving out loans to players, and it was like 20%, 30% interest. Long story yeah. short, like the guys didn't have enough money to actually pay their bills, so they was getting loans from like pretty much like loan shark loans. Yeah. And like this whole thing came out. It was like a whole big thing, and it was crazy to me because I'm like – is you know it's interesting that guys have you know ten million dollar twenty million dollar contracts and they have to pretty much get payday loans. It's really what it is like a payday yeah. loan to cover you over. Yeah. So did you see that? Did you did you, anybody? Did you know anybody that had to go through that? And how did you like? How was that time for you and the other guys in the league when the lockout happened? Well, I mean that's like a deeper question. You know what I mean? Like as men, you know, it's it's very rare that you don't tell another person that you're struggling financially for sure. So were there guys that was probably struggling? Maybe, but did they cover it up really well? Probably. So I don't know anybody. Nobody came and openly talked about struggling, but you know, you had an idea of, you know, some guys that, that was, mm-hmm. um, you know, but as far as that time with me, like I was, like I said, I was good. Cause you know, I, I had been saving, you know, for, for a very Stop long time. Piece, I've been, yeah. Um, you know, saving and investing and things of that nature. And it just so happened around the time of the lockout, some of my investments was coming back. So I was actually getting paid for some of my investments. And I really just focused on using that time of what life would look like if I retired. So I was like constantly on Zoom calls, meetings, investment meetings, things of that nature. So, you know, I feel like I had a different experience just because of the way I positioned myself. But, um, you know, I know a lot of guys were worried you know, about the state of, of the league and what we was going to do. And I think that's what played into the deal that we ultimately end up getting. You think it was a good deal? Uh, I wouldn't have done it. I wouldn't have done it. I think we had a lot of power. I think we had a lot of leverage. What's the percentage that has to be approved? Um, I think we have what, two-thirds or something like that. So everybody in the league votes. Yeah. I and mean, even a voting situation, something like the way, that they, the way that they pushed the voting out, it was like, they, you know, you get this email or – send this text message or whatever, and you, you basically got it in your email and said vote. And I know there was a lot of guys that voted that hadn't even looked at the terms of what the CBA was. And so, you know, I think that's, you know, not only an NFL thing, it's an NFL PA thing. Like, we got to do better 
Mm-hmm. Um, you know, a lot of guys were just seeing whatever they saw in the media and voting off of that. Like, so I don't know if I would have I would have done a deal. But again, it's it's a hard thing to when you have so many guys to try to get them on the same page. You know, because you have the middle class, the upper class. You know, what I'm saying, and, and you got the everybody who didn't putting vote. Head. Yeah, and you got a lot of guys who didn't vote, which could have changed. What could have changed? You know. So how did that? How does that work? They they tally up every single person's vote and majority rule wins. Yeah. I think they needed like either like 66% or whatever, two thirds. And, and they needed, um, you know, so they just sent out either an email or a text or whatever. And you voted um, from your email and they just counted it up. And if it was 66% of the league or whatever it was, um, it got approved. Who's the president of the, of the association? Um, see the Demore Smith. Is it him? Yeah. Demore Smith. Yeah. yeah. He's still, he's still, he's still, Smith. still is. Yeah. See, but you're the captain of the team. I am right? a captain. You've been a captain yeah. for a while. So, is that something that you can organize and say, guys, we're gonna have this meeting. Here's what's happening, or is that like, is that what you did? Is that happening in the league? Yeah, you, it happens all across the league. I think everybody was doing it, but I think the the thing was, it was again, we had sixty, seventy, you know, whatever players, yeah. and you had maybe twenty that felt one way, twenty that felt another way, and twenty that felt another way, and we had one vote, so we had to get. All of us on the same page to put in our one vote. Oh, Seattle had one vote. Seattle had a vote. Okay, so every so, team had a vote. So it's like it's like the presidential election. Like the state represents. Like everybody votes, and then the majority of the team, whatever. Now Seattle casts his vote for yes and nay. Yeah, it's not like every single vote count is counted. Well, yeah, it wasn't. You know, I, I don't believe it was every player, but like you know, as far as like Seattle or whatever, it was. You know, kind of how we were doing it because we had reps. Okay. You know, you had your reps. So I was a player rep, and so we was meeting in in Miami and we was going over it and then we was like voting upon our, um, we was voting on the teams, whether or not who would, like, would we send this to the rest of the players? Mm-hmm. And once that passed, then it got sent to the rest of the players. And when it got sent to the rest of the players, then everybody has a vote and you vote and then it was over. I didn't know that's yeah. how it worked. That's interesting. Like I said, it's like the presidential election where they just pick it. Like New York voted Democrat, yeah. no, Arizona like colleges voted. Yeah. Yeah. Um, let me ask you this: As far as on the financial side, for building your financial team, we mm-hmm. hear we hear about agents a lot, but we don't hear about players when they're financial management, financial planners, accounting. Mm-hmm. I believe you have a pretty a pretty good operation. Yeah, Talk about that. How does that work out for um for players or for you specifically? What does your financial management team do, and um, how do you choose a good financial manager? What's some tips and advice for that? Yeah. Um, you know, my team is is amazing. Um, shout out to Humble. Uh, we kind of do everything in-house, so they take care of a lot of, a lot of the stuff. And it took – it was a progress – a process to get to that. You know, I had a couple – I had a couple of um, financial advisors before I had him. And, you know, when I first got out, um, you know, from a rookie, my, my thought processes was – I went with a financial advisor who I knew had other guys that I knew. So I knew if he did me dirty, it was other people that If I'm going dirty. down, everybody's yeah, yeah, going yeah. down. Everybody yeah, going down. <laughs> yeah, yeah. So I'm like, all right, did you see that? Like, you know what I mean? So, you know, so I feel like that's kind of how my, my two first financial guys was. And then I went to another one who had like a star-studded, you know, um, clientele and things of that nature. And, and I just realized that wasn't where I wanted to be either. 
And I think the thing that I was looking for was I was looking for someone who was willing to teach me. And that's what I was missing in all of them. Everybody wanted to, to tell you what to, to tell me what to do and mm-hmm. tell me what I need to put my stuff in. But nobody wanted to teach me. And, you know, you know, the guy I have humble, he sat down. You know, I remember uh, I remember like sitting down with him like, you know, all right, like, let's let's invest. Let's let's do this. Let's do that. He's like, all right, well, what's a stock? And I was like. <laughs> he's like what's a bond i'm like Whew. you know what i mean i'm like you know what do you mean i don't know like, come on we could just invest he's like nah like i'm not you're not investing one dollar with me until you know the basics mm-hmm. and when he said that to me at the time i was like dang like i gotta wait to invest but then in two hindsight i'm like it's like end up being one of the best things for me yeah. and I, I respect him for that because you know, I remember sitting in my living room and it was like class and I had a notebook and he sat down and he just started throwing out terms at me and, and just constantly quizzing me and putting me in a different, different things. And so my advice is to find somebody, A, you trust and um, someone that you can, um, that, that teaches you, you know, because at the end of the day, you want to be taught, not told. Mm-hmm. And so that's, that was my biggest thing is like, if the person's willing to teach you, that means he's not afraid of you figuring out everything that he's doing. Mm. If the person's not afraid of you figuring out everything he's doing, that means he don't got nothing to hide. If he don't want to teach you, then I feel like he got something to hide. And if he got something to hide, you can't have my money. Feel like you don't need me. Yeah, you can't, you can't do that. And that was his thing. He was like, man, I want to teach you to the point where you don't need me. You still have me, mm-hmm. but you won't need me. And then we can actually have conversations. So when I bring a deal to you and I'm saying, this is what's in it, this is what's not in it, this is what we can make on it, I want to be able to have like you give me your opinion back versus just me tell you what to do. And so that was the biggest thing for me. Just, just, um, you know, positioning myself with somebody who was willing to teach me, take the time to, you know, cause I think the NFL is, is cool from the standpoint of we play from August to February, if you lucky. And from like February, mid February to, uh, July, you just work out mm-hmm. now, you know, I don't think any of us is the Hulk, maybe maybe Aaron Donald, but, um, <laughs> you know, so uh, you work out maybe four hours. That's still 20 more hours to do something else. Yeah. And so, you know, I use that time to, to learn something else and get um, understanding in a different field. So knowing the knowledge that you know now, if you could go back, this is a two-part question, you can go back, would you represent yourself knowing the knowledge that you know? And do you see a, a change or maybe a revolution where more players – I'm going to come into the draft and say, you know what? I don't need an agent. I'm going to represent myself. What would your advice be? Because uh, I believe there's a defensive end from Michigan. Is it Gary? might have been Gary. I think so. Yeah. Didn't he have his own agency? He became, yeah, he had his own yeah, agency. Yeah. Fresh, fresh out of college. Yeah. I'm like, oh, that might spark some change. What are your thoughts? Um, would I do it all over again? Um, I probably would still have an agent um, the, first, the first time. Um, but that fee would be close to nothing. Because they're not negotiating anything, mm. so you know our the the rookie contracts is slotted. So you know you know wherever you go, first round, second round, third round, whatever, you don't get a percentage more than what that guy got last year. You Does know, it even matter the position. So if a quarterback got taken forty second, don't matter. You still get whatever. Don't matter okay. if, if if you're the second round pick and if you know forty seventh pick overall, you're gonna make a certain amount more than what the last year got made. Gotcha. Regardless of your position. And so, um, knowing that, you know, they they not really negotiating too much. The numbers are already preset. So, 
um, you know, I would definitely negotiate that percentage down and, um, you know, I would see what they, what they offer to me outside of the field and, and really just see, you know, how much they, um, are, are a man of their word. And, um, do I see like there's a, a shift? I don't know if there's a shift because I don't think like you got to want to do business. I don't think everybody's into business. Mm. So, you know, I think more guys will do it. Um, I think it will be more of a thing. It will, it will become common. But I don't think it will be like a point where the whole league will do it because there's certain people who just don't do business. And they don't – you know, they're not, not good at – They're yeah. not interested in – like maybe you like art. Maybe you like something else. Like yeah. there's, and I don't, there's, think, I don't think there's any wrong, anything wrong with having an agent because, like you said, I mean, you know, it's, it's representation and it's somebody's doing a good job for you. But you have an option not to if you want to. Yeah. But is a lot more work and yeah. everybody's not going to read the CBA. Everybody's not going to go through all of that. So yeah. I personally feel like um, agents, representations, financial planners, all of that is good, but you should always be educated as well. Yeah. Just in case you never know. And you know, it's just good to just be able to ask questions and not yeah. to just, you shouldn't trust anybody blindly. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. I think the same thing. Like everybody kind of felt like myself, Sherm and, I can't speak for sure, but, um, you know, they thought that we was, like, against agents. I'm not against agents. I just, you know, felt like I wanted to be at the table. And I felt like that was the only way that I could truly be at the table. And like you said, like, there's guys that, um, you know, they probably do need some representation to help them out. But I think the biggest thing, the biggest shift that needs to to happen is, um, like, players not trusting buying, like, players knowing um, what's in their contract. And knowing what the negotiation process was and knowing, you know, what they got in their contract, can they get that out? Like, it should be a conversation with the player. Like, I always thought, in my mind, I always thought, like, there was, like, two processes when it came to negotiation. It was the negotiation between the agent and the team and the negotiation between the team and the player. Like, basically, the agent and the team would negotiate the deal and then the, the the agent would come back to the player and basically tell him why this is a good deal mm-hmm. and to take it versus, you know, hey, like, this is what they said today. Like, you know, we're going to counter with this. What do you think? No, 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 counter with this. Like, mm-hmm. I, this is what I really want. Like, I need this in my contract, blah, blah, blah. If we have more of that dialogue, then that's that's a bigger shift to me than, than everybody want to represent themselves. Uh, what was, how much was your first contract for? Uh, my first ever contract? Yeah. Uh, I think it was $4 million. So how how – how did life hit you and how is it just coming out of, you know, college and becoming a millionaire and, you know, 21 years old, 23 years old, stuff like that. Like we always hear the stories of like, but yeah. most people, like even in, in our plat- our world, like in business, it takes years to become a millionaire, mm-hmm. you know, mid thirties, forties, 30 years old, where you already worked for 10 years. Yeah. The athletes and entertainers is a little different because you become a millionaire like instantly, as soon as you become a professional, where other professions, you have to work at that profession. So how is it, you know, as far as the temptations, the splurge, the lifestyle? I know obviously you kept a level head, but how is that to become a millionaire that young? Um, it was it was a uh, it was definitely an experience for sure. It was, it was different because, you know, when I got drafted. You know, like people were calling me a millionaire like the next day. And mm-hmm. I was like, yo, I ain't got nothing in my account. So mm-hmm. I'm not a millionaire yet. And so um, that was that was a thing. Then uh, I got my signing bonus and I saw the, the amount of taxes that was taken out of my mm-hmm. signing bonus. 
and I immediately called the Seahawks and I was like, man, I know y- y'all stole y'all stealing from me. <laughs> you know what I mean? Like I know I know what y'all love to. I'm not gonna be the eighty percent. You guys are not stealing from me. Like, where is the other half? Somebody get Mr. Allen rest in peace. Yeah. I'm like, where's the other half? Yeah. And he's like, nah, bro, this is taxes. Like, you never played tax before? I'm like, no, I have not paid tax before. Like, and why like isn't there a level like do I go I'm like I go from, from zero to the top? Like yeah. I can't like get gradually. I can't gradually go up. I'm like, y'all gonna take all my money? I'm like, so but as far as like the temptations, like I never really was a person that was into like material things. Like, um, you know, my uh I had a car that I was driving, um, you know, my in college and I was gonna use that car for the league. But the only reason why I got another car was because my dad had got this Audi and it was like a coupe and it was like low to the ground and it was hurting his back every single day he was getting in and out of it. And so he wanted another car. And I was like, all right, well, I'll just take over your, I'll just take over your, um, your payments and we'll get you a car. So that's how we, we worked that out. And that's how I got a, another car just because he was, his, I, I didn't want to see him, you know, hurting his back every day. He was getting out of his car. And I was like, you know, so that was, that was my purchase. I don't even remember having a big purchase like that. I didn't run and go buy stuff or whatever. Like, I was just like, man, you know what? I just want to play. I want to, like, we had went through so much. I had went through so much at that point. Like, I, you know, I was, I got sick before the combine. Um, you know, I, I got the draft day experience was, was this whole other thing. And so I was just like, man, like, now that all this is behind me, I just want to play. So, like, my first year, I just wanted to, to play. So I wasn't really worried about everything. And then, too, like, majority of the defense and majority of the team was my age. So yeah. we didn't have, like, older guys that had all these cars and stuff like that. We was all just coming from, you know, college, really. So everybody was, wasn't driving nothing crazy. So, like, it was easy to be humble in that situation because, you know, you had a couple of older guys that had crazy cars, but we all was like, all right, we'll get there. You know what I'm saying? Everybody was – our whole team was pretty level-headed from that standpoint. It was like, look, like, we don't got to do that right now. Let's wait, and then we'll get it when we – when we uh, when we good, 2012 man. They changed the franchise. Changed the franchise. I think Forever. that's probably the best draft class that they had. Maybe in history. Who knows? Easily. Yeah. <laughs> 2012. 2012. Yeah. What round were you drafted in? Second. And Russ was first round. For us was third. Uh, yeah. Oh, Russ was third. Well, Who was yeah. the first round draft? Bruce. Yeah. Bruce Irvin. Yeah. Bruce he was Irvin. tough too. Yeah, he was Fast. nice. Yep. He's he's on Oakland now. Well, uh, not even open. No, nah, he was with us last year. Oh, he came he, back to us last oh, year, Vegas. and then he got hurt. Yeah, yeah, it was a good draft. That's, that's they did. That's yeah. a hell of a draft. We were solid. That was but, Andrew. Luck. Let me ask you this: You talked about taxes. We talked about this also with Brandon Copeland, but I was going to go there. Oh yeah, going. The, the taxes. Um, there's a thing called the jock tax, and mm-hmm. people aren't familiar with, but um, like you get taxed in each state that you play in, mm-hmm. and um, I remember. Oh, it's my man's name that, that um, played for the Broncos. Shannon Sharps, um, he was always a big supporter of us. Remember? Thank you. Oh, uh, Rod Smith. Rod Smith. Shout out to Rod Smith. So this was early on on Instagram. He became a big supporter, and he was telling me how – I spoke to him. He was telling me how he played for the Broncos, but he was like, guys used to hate playing in California because whenever they played in California – then they pay California state tax mm-hmm. for that for that game. And he was like, you know, you you train in Denver to like like let's say it's a Sunday game, right? You'll train in Denver until like Thursday night. Mm-hmm. Go you might go to San Francisco Friday or sometimes even Saturday. Right. And so and then you leave right after the game. So you're only spending like forty eight hours, sometimes even less. 
but you get but that whole week's paycheck is in California, who has the highest state tax. Mm-hmm. Yeah. And it's like for every state that you go to, you're playing you're paying different state tax. And it's like a lot of times this is why, you know, Florida and Texas has an advantage because even though you're not playing all of your games there, at least playing half the games there yeah. makes a big difference. Mm-hmm. And don't forget the city tax. Well, yeah, Brandon Copeland told us about that. <laughs> Cities like yeah. Detroit. But then he was saying like <clears throat> one of his guys argued that he's not paying Detroit tax because the training facility is in the suburbs. And East Lansing or something like that. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so it's a very complicated situation. But can you talk about that as far as the taxes? Yeah, it was the same thing, man. When I uh, Surprise. Yeah, surprise. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? Like, I, first two games, first three games or whatever uh, of the season was in uh, in Seattle. So I'm looking at my check and I'm like, all right, cool. And I played in California and I was like, <laughs> again, walking up. They probably hate me at this point. Yo, yeah. Seahawks, y'all at it again. Y'all trying to steal from me. Y'all, y'all not doing that. Like, where's my money? Like, it's yeah. like, nah, that's California taxes. Like, okay, that's cool. I don't play in California. Yeah. Y'all know this is a Washington team. Like, what's up? Like, so it, it was one of those situations where you just had to, you know, you had to be mindful of it. Mm-hmm. And you had to um you had to figure out a way strategically to kind of uh combat that. So um kind of what I did was I found out. Uh, with the Seahawks, um, you know, we have our, we pay our taxes, whatever, the 33 or whatever, 30, whatever percentage is. Mm-hmm. I found out the Seahawks were always under withholding on our, um, on our checks. And so it was, it was always being under withheld. So the money that we were having, or one that we thought we were made, weren't, it wasn't being taxed all the way. Mm-hmm. So, you know, I went up to our tax guy and I said, yo, like, can we over withheld? Like, you know what I'm saying? Just to kind of combat, like either the money I made off the field or some of the taxes or whatever. I just try to figure out a way to, you know, the under withholding was just not going to cut it you for me. Because I was, was owing money at the yeah, end. Yeah, I was owing money at the end. I didn't want to owe money after I was done. Mm-hmm. Or whenever I, you know, at the end of the thing, I either wanted to be flat or get money back. Mm-hmm. So instead of, um, that was one way I, I thought about doing was I went to the uh, the tax guy for the Seahawks and I told him to, you know, up the percentage. And that's not something that everybody knew about. Mm-hmm. You know, everybody didn't think how you How'd you realize that? Um, humble. Okay. You know what I mean? Yeah. He was he was saying like, Yeah, they're not they're not withholding enough. Yeah. Like, what do you mean? Like, they're not withholding enough. It's like, okay, bro, like you said it twice. <laughs> I'm like, I don't know. Like, I don't know what that means. <laughs> yeah, yeah. And he was like, Well, you know, he started breaking to me the tax and he's like, They're they're not withholding enough. And so we kinda of found that that's kinda of how they did the you know, the taxes. Mm. And so I was like, Okay, well I went to my guy and I told him like, Yo, like can you over withheld like, and you know that was their thing and so probably everybody on the team is under withheld unless you go up you got to go up and yeah. tell them so they just did it individually for you or is it became a team-wide thing it wasn't a team-wide thing but i you know as soon as i found out i started yeah, telling I guys out. like yo like yeah. hey, just let you know like if you're trying to they, they under withholding so if you want to adjust that yeah. you got to go and tell them like, you got to go up like physically walk up there and tell them or send them an email saying like can you change this but again that's one of the things that you know, you don't think to know about. Yeah. You don't think to know that um, how much is the team withholding in the check, and is it the, the amount that it needs to be? And you got no choice. You got you got to play twice in California every year. Every year, twice. Ooh. But there was a there was a stretch where um, there was a stretch. It was a very good stretch. It was around Christmas too. Yeah. We played in um, Washington, okay. Florida, mm-hmm. then I think Texas, mm-hmm. and then we played in Washington. And then we played um, one more state that didn't have any taxes, but it was like five states in a row with no taxes. Oh. And now they got now they got Nevada. 
with the Vegas. Yeah. True. So that's yeah, why you yeah, know yeah. So, also. Yeah, but, oh yeah, but that's like once every four years for y'all. Yeah, it, well, I mean, yeah. just in general. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. That's, that, a, that's a good. Point. But that that really plays a role, like you know what I'm saying. Yeah. Like when I think about when I think about um, teams that I would play for, like knowing what I know now, like that comes into a fact. Yeah, like yeah. which division? Do I want to yeah. do I want to play for a team that gets taxed now? Because like I've been my whole career has been no income tax. So I'm like, do yeah. I want to do that? You know, California, California is crazy. <laughs> yeah, and that's why I, I'm assuming a lot of NFL players live in Miami. Obviously, Miami has a lot of great advantages outside of that. But um, having no state tax helps too, though, right? Like, yeah. So, like, I'm assuming like most guys have two homes usually, like with a home that they play in, and then like the Miami when the off season they go to Miami. Yeah, a lot of guys have. Um, a lot of guys have. Um, I think the they have homes where they grew up at, um, and some guys, like you said, go with Miami and things of that nature. But I think from a tax perspective. Like, you know, it's wherever you spend majority of your time. Yeah. And so, um, you know, however you got to do that to, or finesse that to get that work, <laughs> yeah. to do your thing. Yeah. So, do it. so what's the what, what's the future for you as far as Envision? Obviously, you're a very bright guy. Do you want to spread the financial literacy? Are you planning on teaching people? Um, yeah. Agency, consultations, nah, nah, nah. things of that nature. Nah, so, no. no. No agency. Oh. <laughs> I'm good. I'm good. I'm good. But teaching, I, I I definitely teach. I give knowledge for sure. Even like whether it's from the game or what I know financially, because I think at the end of the day, like I want to help like NFL guys, especially um, see the money, see the future of their labor, especially because our sport's so dangerous. So it's, it's it's unfortunate you got guys walking away from a game that's so violent with with nothing to show for it. So. Um, you know, I always feel like anybody that wants to come and, and ask me questions or tell me how I do it, I'm like, I'm an open book from that standpoint. So, you know, if there's an option, you know, opportunity for me to teach or to me to give the knowledge away, you know, I'm always open for it. There's nothing that I'm really like withholding information. Mm-hmm. Like I'm, I'm, you know, if you want to know, I'll tell you. And that comes from football too. It's like, you know, I always feel like whatever you give, you're going to get back. So, um, you know, I want to give whatever I know. I think it's important information for guys to have. I want that number to change. I don't want to look and see. You know, I want to look and see guys walk away from the game, A, healthy, and B, with, with the money. So, um, you know, if there's an opportunity for me to, to, to teach, then I definitely will. But um, one goal of mine has always been uh, when I came to the league was I, I thought I made a pretty good transition from college to, to the NFL. And I wanted my transition from the NFL to life after football to be um, better than that. Mm-hmm. And so that's what sparked me to um, start doing internships and doing um, different things because I wanted to know what I was doing when I was done. So by, you know, by the end of my career, I was playing because I loved the game versus because I needed the money. Mm-hmm. And so that that was my mindset. And that's that's my main goal outside of the the Pro Bowls, all pros, and all that stuff was to um, to be on that that twenty percent side of guys walking away with with good health, walking away with um, you know all their money, and you know being able to to live the lifestyle that um, you know that I created with playing for the rest of my life. We um we spoke to Steve Stout, and uh, he broke up the name. Steve Stout. Yeah, yeah. Stout. He spoke broke up the name uh, Adrian Horowitz. He was talking about how he, you know he had sat down and brought Nas in, showed him some some deals and some investments. And that name came up when I was doing the research on you. Yeah. Well, how, how did you get introduced? What was the role been uh, from Mr. Hort? Um, Man, the, the connection was was uh, Chris Lyons. I met Chris Lyons actually with uh, my 
my business manager, my boy, my He's brother. Clubhouse, right? Yeah. Um, uh, I met Chris Lyons in San Francisco probably in 2013. And so, you know, we were just, uh, you know, I thought it was crazy because he was in, um, you know, the financial world. And I hadn't seen that at the time outside of Humble. And so I'm like, man, like we need to stay connected. Mm-hmm. And throughout this time, he just was always sending me deals or sending me certain things. You know, I invested in a couple of funds. And we just always had that that line of communication. And um, he's been great with just sharing knowledge, helping me get a part of certain things down there, and uh, introduced me to those guys. And that's kind of been my connection with them. Mm. Um, let me ask you this before we wrap. CTE, how do you feel about that? Are you concerned? Um, yeah, do you ever think about that, like as far as your own personal career and your colleagues? Um, obviously, it's a thing. Um, it's a thing you can't ignore. Uh, for me, I'm a you know, I'm a big law of attraction guy, and so I don't necessarily speak on it like that because I don't want to attract it. But that being said, um, you try to be mindful of it. But you know, I think there is something. There, there obviously is something to it. We got to figure out what it is that causes that. But I also think that um, the style of play also uh, results in that. Your lifestyle also results in that. You know, it's, it's you know for me, I don't think it's just football. I think it's more than just football. It's mm. your diet, like what you eating, what you drinking, what you doing with your life, how much sleep you getting. It's it's more than just to me football. Mm. And, um, you know, I try to play the game, you know, as violently as I can, but I also try to use my shoulder. Like when I tackle people, I don't try to use my head. I try to use my shoulder as much as I can to avoid that for those, for those specific reasons. But um, I definitely think, like, it's a thing. I think it's, like, a thing that you got to be conscious for. But I also think there's ways that you could prepare yourself uh, for. You could do some research for. Um, there's a lot of things out there like stem cells and different stuff like that that helps um, prevent or grow. Uh, certain things and so again like it's it's all about you know educating yourself and investing in certain things that's going to help you in the long run help your life and so I feel like I do those things I feel like I play the game in a way where I you know try to avoid those crazy hits like that and you know it's not necessarily something I think about because I don't I don't don't attract it or try not to I feel you well Bobby, it's been a pleasure, my brother. Appreciate Seattle. you guys. Little known fact, I was actually a Seattle fan a few years ago. I switched teams every year. <laughs> uh, <laughs> so, I'm like, dang, a few years ago. I was like, yeah, yeah, yeah. I switched every year. Yeah. But I think I'm going to go back to Seattle this year. Wait, who's your okay. this year? Was it Kansas City? No, Kansas City was two years ago. Um, <laughs> I think Seattle Seattle's a good team. Yeah, I, think I think you I'm should go ahead and do that. I think I'm going back to I got Seattle. I got a new favorite player. Yeah, that's you a should fact. do that. That's a fact. You should so, do that, wow. man. Come on, man. When you were telling the story, Clint Portis is my favorite player. Okay, Sean Taylor is on that list. As well. Okay, and um, I'm not, I'm not Bobby Wagner. He's up there. He's up. Come he's on, number, man. He's number he's one. I'm, Come I'm on, man. New Jersey. I'm, we got to go to Seattle. <laughs> yeah, come on, man. Come and, and watch that game, flag man. get raised. We yeah. got to hang it up at the uh, EYL. Uh, headquarters. Yeah, that's it. we got it. That's yeah, done. Oh, yeah, we need we need a signed jersey. Done, that's a done, that's a yeah. done. We'll, we'll get that. That's we'll a get fact. That to you. And we gotta go to the game. I have to experience what the twelfth man is like. Yeah, you gotta wait for it to open. But when it's open, yeah, yeah, when it's open, when it's open, full capacity. Then then, then pull up. It's, gonna, gonna, it's gonna be a six it's gonna be crazy. Hopefully it doesn't rain. Now nah, I can't guarantee that. I can't guarantee that. We'll come early in the season. Don't wait till later. No, we definitely gotta pay. We gotta pay visits to Seattle. We got a lot of support in Seattle, and we haven't been up there. Uh, so we definitely have to come to Seattle. For sure. Yeah, yeah. For sure. For sure. Well, what would you like to tell the people um, 
what's some some things you like to leave them with? Ah, uh, man. Um, I think over this last period of time with, with COVID and everything, I think it's uh, brought um, a realization to, I think, the world that, you know, if you wasn't present before this time, it's important to be present and, and cherish those relationships that you have and uh, be mindful about those relationships that you have. Make sure you, um, you know, continue to grow yourself and the people around you because life is short. A lot of stuff can be, can be taken away at the instant. And um, I think this year has shown us how short life can be. Mm -hmm. And so I think that's something that I've, I've learned over this time is, you know, um, self-love is, is important. Also, uh, loving the people around you because you never know when they're going to be taken from you. And, um, you know, being more present. You know, I think a lot of times we have so much going on that, you know, you might be playing with your kids or playing with your, your, you know, with your girl or whoever, and you're on your phone or you're on your computer and you're not really paying attention to them until you're in a situation when they're not there no more. So that's something I feel like throughout COVID is, you know, I'm putting more of an emphasis on being more present, uh, more self-love, more love for the people around me and um, um, being present and making sure I'm, I'm growing myself, but also helping grow the people around me. Uh, Appreciate it, brother. So, Pleasure as cool. always. Troy, housekeeping yeah. items? We're going to shout out Support Black Colleges. Oh, yeah. yeah, yeah shout yeah, out yeah. to shout my guy, Justin. Just, just so happy, yeah, man. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah, Support Black Colleges. I got to get a red one. I'm not telling y'all to give me that. I'm saying this. <laughs> <laughs> look, look, Just, yeah, what colors you need? I need red, yeah. dark green, uh, another black, I love black, and gray. Josh, you heard it. Let's yeah. make it happen. We're going to make that happen. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Shout out to everybody on Patreon.com. That is our Proud to Pay program. Obviously, tier five members, you have access to EYL University, the number one place for everything in the business world. It is our, it's our baby. It's grown in, in, in over time. We got over 8,000 members. So shout out to all the earners that are in there. And shout out to everybody that's supporting the merch. Earnest season is here. That's the that? merch is here. Shout out to the merch team. Shout out to Ben. Shout out to Smitty. Shout out to the whole EYL uh, staff, man. Love from everybody over there. And uh, yeah, man. EYL Sports soon comes. <laughs> uh, thank you guys for rocking with us. We'll see you next week. I might, I might invest. I might invest. <laughs> Fuse is involved. <laughs>
You know how to book flights and hotels. All you're missing is a tool to plan the travel experiences you'll have once you arrive. That's why you need Viator. Book guided tours, activities, excursions, and more in one place to make your trip truly unforgettable. Viator has over 300,000 travel experiences to choose from. Everything from simple tours to extreme adventures and all the niche, interesting stuff in between. So you can plan something that everyone you're traveling with will enjoy. Real traveler reviews give the inside scoop from people who've already been on the experiences you're considering. So you can plan with confidence. Free cancellation helps you plan for the unexpected. And 24-7 customer support means you can travel worry-free. Download the Viator app now and use code Viator10 for 10% off your first booking in the app. Find travel experiences for you. Do more with Viator. 